Oh man, this is the Rock God Podcasting's favorite time of year, Thanksgiving. Well, holidays. Time to gather with friends and family and give thanks to me, the Rock God of Podcasting. Oh, sounds like everyone's arriving. All right, settle down, settle down, you assholes. Now that you've all gathered around, let's take a look at this fine feast you sons of bitches have put together. Pokemon Go, what'd you bring? Ooh, fresh roasted non-GMO free-range Pikachu with Bulbasaur dressing. I like it. Botched. You brought an empty bottle of gin. Well, that was a long five-minute drive. I I guess I understand. Travis Jones, the Blazing Defender Report. What'd you bring? Firehouse Chili. It's not really, uh... It's not really the time of year for that, uh... Travis, I mean, I guess it is the season, but you don't make chili for Thanksgiving. No, you're supposed to bring traditional Thanksgiving food. No, no, bro, I don't care about Secret War. I don't read comic books, okay? Just chug another two gallons of coffee and shut the fuck up. Kurt, the ladies' man here at the table, FDH Beyond representing. Listen, Kurt, I'm not quite sure what's in that covered dish. All I know is you imported it from Australia, and it's tried to kill us twice already. Speaking of Australia, Toy Power, my bros. I'm sorry your 1950s Easy Bake Oven didn't bake exactly what you were hoping for, so you you pretty much brought nothing to the table. But hey, at least you have some brownie goo. I'm sure it would have been way better with that 40-watt light bulb cooking it, but whatever. Ah, my brother's from another mother's at breaking the panel. Philip and Paul, what'd you guys bring? Well, you, wait, wait, what do you mean you wrote down your ideas for Phil, but he never bothered to look at it, so you didn't bring a dish? This is the Rock God of Podcasting's Thanksgiving extravaganza. How can my flagship show of the network not bring a dish? My God, you're always a disappointment. You, you should have known that Phil wasn't going to look at it, okay? He doesn't look at anything. He doesn't read the show notes. He doesn't watch movies. All he does is jack off on Reddit and watch Daria porn. Wait, where the hell is Geek Versus? Has anyone seen Betty, Tony, and Casey? Oh, there's Casey. No, wait, that's Tristan. Sorry, Tristan, I get you confused with Casey all the time. Pretty much identical twins. Oh, someone's at the door. All right, sit down at the table already, Geek Versus. Jesus, why you're always showing up late? At least you brought pie. At least that's something Thanksgiving related. Oh, you're not sharing the pie with anybody. That. So you three are just going to sit around and eat your own pies. Sounds about right. What do you mean, what did I make? I made this giant basket of chicken wings. <laughs> no, it's not for you. It's for me, the Rock God of Podcasting. That's what this is all for. You're here to bring the Rock God of Podcasting as tribute for the year. Give thanks, you sons of bitches. Jesus, did none of you review the rules over at www.giantsizeteamup.com before you came over? Well, look at them again. Rock God of Podcasting out. These days, the comic book owns pop culture. You'll find it all in the panel of your favorite comic book. Us, we're living the comic's life. We're breaking the panel. Welcome to Breaking the Panel, where we talk about everything awesome and the sad sadness that has hit the universe this weekend. I'm the Rock Garden, a podcast. This is Charles Paul. I, I got so sad, I lost the fuck who I was. Uh, riding uh, riding shotgun on the hearse today is Paul Klotz. Yo. And the, the morbid, dark sense of humor that lightens it up at the Irish Wake, Philip Keaton. Hello, thank you for having me on the radio program. It is great honor. Hello. Now I want to say we're starting recording late because of a, a, an issue that has happened tonight. Uh, the nerds from work have decided to have one of our lovely and talented hosts, Travis Jones, on their show. And in the efforts to do that, 
they kicked us off of our Zoom meeting like five fucking times. So nerds for work. Rookie fucking mistake, man. Rookie mistake. You're, you're never going to be able to play in the big leagues like us if you don't get your shit together. That's Technically, all. it was uh, not nerds' fault. It was Blazing Defender not realizing how technology works. Well, I will trade. Then we'll trade okay. them a Blazing Defender oh, for a Narrows. Zoya, you need to chill the fuck out right now. Okay? <laughs> all right. You, your, your impression is as bad as hers is. Okay. And I love it. Please. I'm sorry. It's lost in how you say translation. I don't understand. In capitalist pig dog translation. Seize the means of productions, comrade. <laughs> So what okay, you, Tristan, come down. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you what do you say, Paul? We'll trade them a blazing defender for a Nauru. Sure. You yeah. can me too. Yeah, you can go over there and play with, with the rookies at Nerd from Work. Sure. You know, up there. I had fun doing that. <laughs> I had fun being on their show. They're good yeah. guys. Uh but I told him I had to I had to call Jason. I was like, hey, I can't get through to Travis. So you relay the message. And then uh, we consider the shots fired. So we're going to take you to task on the show. Uh, but that's uh, all to avoid the, the main topic of the show tonight. Stan Lee, or as some newspapers think, uh, Spike Lee, has passed <laughs> away at age 95 uh, yesterday. So, Paul, I know we got some other stuff going on here, but you had a few things you wanted to talk about with that? Oh, uh, well, you know, first of all, this is like this is the thing that everybody's been waiting for for a long time. Yeah. And nobody wanted to talk about it. Like it was going to happen anytime soon. Um, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that I can, I can't think of a more iconic figure in pop culture right now that you know what has this kind of impact this kind of widespread impact on so many people uh obviously millions of people around the world feeling this loss um tons of celebrities you know sharing their stories sharing photos we'll have more on that later because some some people didn't really care for that uh but yeah no i figured we could uh, dive deep a little bit on stan um it, you know, obviously, when somebody big passes, like uh, when Bowie passed, for example, I was thinking about this, too. I was trying to, like, nail down exactly when in my life, particularly in my adolescence, that certain creators and key figures in pop culture became a big part of my understanding of it. You know what I mean? So, like, for example, with music, with Bowie, it's like when I was a little kid, he was the Goblin King, and that was it. Right, yeah. But then eventually I started to, like, listen to his music and realize, like, oh, crap, like, there's, like, two dozen songs that I know from hearing on the radio and in every movie under the sun and all this stuff, and it's like, oh, they're all him. That's really weird because they sound like they're ten different bands. That's great. And it really, like, you know, blew my mind up as far as my musical interest and taste and everything in that regard. But similarly, I was thinking about how, you know, growing up, you know, you – you probably pick up comic books and have no idea who wrote them, who's behind them, who created the characters for a long time. You know, I know when I first started reading X-Men and Spider-Man in the nineties, I didn't know that I was, you know, reading Jim Lee era X-Men and that part of what was drawing me to that was the art. I didn't know 
you know, that some of my favorite art out of Spider-Man was Todd McFarlane. I didn't know that my favorite storylines were coming from Chris Claremont. You know what I mean? But Stan, uh, among his peers, were the, you know, when they say the phrase standing on the pillar of, or the uh, shoulders of giants, um, Stan was one of those giants, you know, along with a handful of other gentlemen, uh, you know, Jack Kirby, Steve Dicko, a few others, you know, um, it's a big deal that he's gone. Um, and I think it was probably when the, either the X-Men first X-Men movie came out or the first Spider-Man movie came out for me, Sam Raimi Spider-Man. And, you know, obviously Stan started his long streak of having a cameo in literally everything. When I was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's Stanley. I know who he is. And then it like, at that point I kind of was like, Oh, that's okay. That guy is like in part responsible for literally all of my favorite stuff in comics you know, through, through one way or another, whether it's directly influencing or creating or just because like that hand reaches so far. So how about you guys? Like where, when did you first really become aware of like who Stan was and like how responsible he was for the things that you really loved in comics and pop culture? I was quite young actually. Um, Like any good nerd, when we find a, property or something that we we like either movies comics television we obsess over it and for me and my little six and seven year old self when the animated series of x-men first hit the screens uh i was i was all in and i i really I remember reading a lot of dc and batman stories when i was you know before this x-men series came out but that was the turning point of my marvel love because as soon as that series hit you know i was in front of the television every saturday watching fox to see the new show you know i was it was the early stages of the internet you know aol was just coming around so I was I was trying to glob onto as much information I could about Marvel off of the internet, um, and I I don't know if you remember, but they put out trading cards when the X Men show first started, mm-hmm. and I ha- it's where all my parents' money went to was yeah. either action figures or 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 uh, those trading cards, mm-hmm. but I don't think it really hit me until. Mallrats came out, mm. and Mallrats. I I would like to hear everyone else's favorite cameos that he did, since he was in almost any kind of nerd culture esque comic book thing. But his cameo in Mallrats is my favorite, and then that's where my little reptilian brain started putting these like, oh yeah, no, that's the creator of everything that I've loved since I've been six, you know, mm-hmm. and just around the time that X-Men animated series came around, you know, the Spider-Man series came around as well. And then uh, I think that's when I first fell in love with, you know, Spider-Man and, and ever since that animated series, I've just been, you know, a, a fanboy of anything. So so yeah, it, it it sucks. It sucks. And and you know, the friend of the show Casey Straws, I mean this was a night that he has been dreading 
forever. Mm-hmm. You know, when he was on the show, he talked about it, you know, and how much the anguish that Stan was going through in his late life, he, he felt because that yeah. was, that was his guy. That was his hero. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I reached out to Casey uh, Monday and I was just like, Hey man, I, I'm so, I'm so sorry, you know, yeah. because I, I know the feeling I lost Bowie and at some point I'm going to lose Miyamoto, you know, these, yeah. these cultural icons that we look up to. And he, you know, he, he, I could tell was just sitting in it and trying not to like dwell too much, but he was like, you know, his work will live on. I had the chance to meet him once. And, you know, as a community, as, as a world, we're just going to, push forward and and move on and just be thankful that we got 95 years out of this wonderful talented creator yeah and you know to to kind of like add on to that before i let charles go he you know obviously stan wasn't creating new characters and storylines very much for the last probably definitely the last 20 years or so and probably even longer than that but he became you know, the grandfather of comics, the ambassador of comics, you know what I mean? Like of superheroes in particular of like, you know, the whole mentality of what goes into superheroes, like, you know, key phrases that are super important, such as with great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. I couldn't like Charles was looking away aimlessly on camera. Uh, And then just like, as soon as I started to say, yeah, uh, no, 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 no. But like, you know, th- there's some great quotes out there. I don't, we're not going to throw them up right now because it would. There's tons of things that Stan has said over the years that are like really inspirational when you when you unpack them. You know what I mean? Because not only was he, you know, a big proponent of the, the a pop culture icon, you know, the, this person who basically helped usher in this modern era where comics are mainstream, but he championed the best characters and he championed way before it was, you know, socially popular to do so, diversity and, you know, unique storytelling. And like, you know, he was part of the creative process for a lot of the different directions that Marvel went in over the years, you know? So whether he was directly writing on the books or not, he was the guy who at times would stamp the approval, you know what I mean? Yeah. To getting new things off the ground. So I, there's just so much there that goes with it. But Charles, how about you? I was today years old when I found out Stanley did anything with comics. So, mm-hmm. uh, no, that should have done better. You guys did not give me enough credit on that. Uh, Mike fire them in the post. Thanks. So, uh, I don't know when I realized he was Stanley. It's, it's the thing I've always heard his voice in my head. I, as a child, I was watching, I'd look it up just to verify. I wasn't misremembering this with Spider-Man and his amazing friends, right? Spider-Man, Iceman and a character they made up that's called Firestar. And uh, for the show, they made it up for the show. She's original. And I, that was one of the first comic book things. I, I had Electric Company when I was a child, and they had you know, a version of Spider-Man there. And there's a cheesy, stupid 70s live-action show that I, I was too young for and didn't care. But this one caught me. And maybe it was Mallrats. That was the thing. that Oh, that's Stan Lee, this comics. Oh, it's important because, you know, 
I'm learning about comics in the comic world that I was already into, but didn't know details of through that movie, more or less. It could have been somewhere else, but I, I just remember hearing his voice. Stay tuned, friends. You know, we'll be back. And so I looked it up. Sure enough, season two and three of Spider-Man and Amazing Friends, Stan Lee was the narrator for that. Mm-hmm. And I would have to say, Phil, my favorite cameo, I, I can't pinpoint it, but it was the, when he was himself in the cartoons. Yeah, I think he voiced a version of J. Jonah Jameson, but he actually and somebody uh reminded me of that on on iFunny or somewhere recently. They said, you know, when Spider-Man came into Stanley's office and Stanley's, oh, you're Spider-Man. He's, oh, you're Stan-, you know, they were it was a nice cameo that was a recognition of who he was. And that was obviously the animation was nineties or earlier. Um I don't know. I've just always when I think of narration in animation i just hear his voice you know uh, mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's yeah it's, he was uh, he was the narrator for all of spider-man and his amazing friends yeah um he uh, actually was himself on the muppet babies yes <laughs> I remember that. yes which um i i personally don't remember but i i gotta go find that now because yeah. you know original muppet babies was just so awesome and and it, it, just to speak about the character of the guy i mean he was at dragon con 2017 mm-hmm. right um he lost his wife recently before that he was going through a little bit of three months before that yeah. he was sick and 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 yet you know he still decided to come down he sat you know uh, through the parade he sat and shook everybody's hand that wanted to you know wanted to meet him and and couldn't be more you know upbeat and nice even though his personal life and and his health are in, are in turmoil and you know if he would never let that show that was before we really knew the stuff that was going on behind the scenes correct and you know yeah. it never came out in his face you know he he wanted to meet every true believer that came through that line and it just it's it's sad it it, it, it it's weird to say that like you know he's he was 95 he lived an incredible life of up and downs um yeah but it you know it, it you just you feel like he is one of those characters that he created and he's just larger than life. And, and you just mm-hmm. never think that this time is going to come, but it did. Yeah. To kind of touch on that a little bit too. Uh, Slate actually has an article out right now um, where they're like begging and pleading with people. Uh, you know, the, 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 the title line is Stanley was many wonderful things. So please stop calling him creator of Marvel um, to expand on that. Basically they're pointing out that, he wasn't necessarily the the creative force behind all of these characters and you know but what i kind of said a little bit earlier was and and to what you just said as well phil he was a champion for what they were trying to accomplish you know like his early work with with what would eventually become marvel was to legitimize the the art form the, the the platform if you will to, to basically be like, we can tell real stories here. This isn't just kids play. You know what I mean? Because the, the early attitude when, when Stan started in the industry was, this is just, you know, we're going to throw this in our newspapers and then these little publications that are going to make a couple cents here and there, and it's not a big deal. But that's not the case. You know what I mean? Like, 
it, it, it grew because of people like Stan, but Stan being the, he's the, the figurehead, you know? Um, and obviously, particularly in the sixties, there was a lot of not so great things that went down and a lot of the true creatives, you know, the, the, the artists and the writers who were really fleshing out these ideas in distinct detail kind of got left on the wayside and many of them left Marvel and it didn't just happen at Marvel. It happened at DC as well. Um, it was a tough time. And at the time those creators didn't get the love that they needed. They didn't get the compensation and the, you know, the accolades that they deserved the um, right to their own work. Right. Exactly. And a, yeah. a lot of stuff unfairly got heaped on the stand, both good and bad. Um, you know, he received a lot of praise that maybe he did, wasn't entirely responsible for, you know, the outcome of certain things, but I, I really think it's while it's important to acknowledge that stuff, it's also equally important to remember that he was an ambassador for this. Most none, certainly. None of this stuff, no, nothing in, in comics and arguably a great deal of pop culture in general, because it's not just comic stuff. It's not just superhero films that is influenced by what, what was accomplished with Marvel and by extension, what was accomplished at DC, what was accomplished by the arms race between the, the two big houses, you know, um, it, it, to be having an ambassador, having the, the biggest cheerleader on the block, you know what I mean? The person yeah. who was always pushing that ball forward through good, bad and ugly. I, I mean, through some of the darkest times that comics has gone through, you know, like I said, the sixties, when you had the issues with the artists, the, what happened in the late eighties and early nineties between both the market crashing on comics, but also what was happening with creators. Stan didn't spend a lot of time, you know, dwelling on stuff like that. He didn't spend a lot of time talking about like what happened with all the guys who went off and started image and stuff like that. He kept talking about these stories and he kept talking about these heroes and he kept talking about, you know, just the the joy the childlike joy of comics and and what it all comes out of and so in that i think he absolutely deserves high praise beyond pretty much everything else as being the ambassador well he's also one of the and and excuse me if i'm wrong on the statement because i'm a little bit ignorant on my my history but he's one of the last you know pillars of the silver age of marvel Mm -hmm. right i mean we we just lost steve ditko in june yeah yeah, that that was the other thing is i uh i didn't realize because i we forgot to talk about that here on the show we we didn't and and we We didn't yeah because i actually i i personally covered it during the patreon ad um Mm. uh, on the week that that happened because you know back back in june i was really heavy into reading those silver age uh, spider-man books which ditko had his hand all over but I, I can't think of any other real prominent people that connects us back to, you know, 60s Marvel, 60s, 70s Marvel. So, yeah, as far as that goes, this has been a tough year for, you know, that that silver age of of Marvel, you know. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's and I'm going to move on here because I, I could wax ecstatic about it all night. But like basically if you like anything in pop culture, you know, Stan Lee played some part in it somewhere. Sure. It, yeah. Even if, even if just being the, the guy who, you know, like I said, was the ambassador for what was going on in comics, then, you know, there were kids 
30, 40 years ago that picked up comics and started reading them and got inspired to tell their own stories. And they went off and wrote Star Trek and, you know, wrote whatever your favorite fandom is. They probably at some point cut their teeth reading comics. Uh, you know, the, the current go- golden age, if you will, of um, comic related uh, cinema and television all can be traced back to this big giant observer in the sky <laughs> um but yeah i'm no. just I, I i also got really bummed out um on on monday when i was reflecting and he's <laughs> this is kind of silly but it did bum me out a lot um he's not going to be able to see the outcome of the avengers film oh, I'm you know sure he knows I'm sure he knew. I, I, I know, but like personally, it's just like you know, he 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 got all most of the characters that he he helped write and create onto the big screen, especially with the the shitty Avengers, and just oh man, not you, you almost have to wonder if there wasn't a, one of his caretakers that followed him with like the big red phone that that called Marvel. <laughs> so like when when the doctors were like it's happening, make the call. And, you know, he calls Marvel or they call Marvel and they're like, all right, here, you get to hear the ending. You got to know how this all resolves. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it would have been nice to get another year out of him so he could see this all come to a close. Cause that's really like capping the first 10 years of the MCU and, and the monumental accomplishment that is, I mean, I know I say this all the time, but like, we don't know what's going to happen after they wrap this up this era of the mcu they might not be able to capture lightning in a bottle like this again they might not be able to run this many you know separate character runs and teams and everything and bring them all together into a cohesive storyline and wrap it all up in a nice tidy package like they did here what they accomplish here may not ever be repeated in history again because we're seeing other franchises that try to do stuff like this falling left and right you know what i mean like star wars is struggling to do this do this kind of stuff dc has struggled to do it It, this might be you know this might be the kind of thing 20 years from now we're all looking back and being like wasn't it crazy that we you know went through all that um so having stand around to see the end of it and also you know steve as well um would have been nice but you know obviously these uh these guys stuck it out for a long time ditko was 90 stan was 95 You know, those are, that's what I said on Facebook too, when it happened is like, that's a great run. You know, I've, I've seen some people say some stuff like, oh, this is, you know, this is super sad. And, and yes, I agree. Um, I did see some people say like, it's a, it's a tragedy. And I'm like, 95 is not a tragedy, man. Yeah, like that's I, I a good life, man. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree on that. And, but- and not to mention, like you said, Phil, he lived his life to the fullest, as far as we can tell, right up till the end. Yeah. yeah. He was traveling and meeting fans right up until his last year. And that's the thing. You know how many people, creators of all levels, die in obscurity? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and stories are, you know, the, the most legendary artists, Rembrandt, Picasso, were nobodies when they died. It wasn't mm-hmm. so later, blah, blah, blah. So the fact that he got to be celebrated, the fact that he got to meet people who generations of people so you inspired me, you inspired my kids, you inspired my grandkids, maybe even my great grandkids, you know, and, and to, to, to have, like you were saying, that line of people waiting at Dragon Con as yeah. well as many, many, many other cons. 
it's not a tragedy to me. I'm not even sad about it, to be honest. I'm happy because he meant something to us. We're sad, but damn, man, he lost the love of his life. He had to go through. Mm-hmm. We don't even know the truth behind the fights that were going on where it was oh, his man. manager and partner and daughter. Yeah. And, yeah. and he had to, he had to deal with that shit. That's stressful. Fuck man. He's, he's better there off. And we're sad. There was a crazy, uh, comic fan comic going around of him in heaven and he just walks through the gates and walks up to his wife and i was like no 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 stop 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 doing this to me um paul do you um no go ahead no i was just wondering um do you have a favorite cameo that he that he had i don't have a specific one um i just know that like like okay so there's a handful of things. Wasn't he in Scooby Doo? Like one of the movies? He where they pull off the mask and it's Stanley. That would be hilarious if that's true. I probably made that up, but that would be awesome if that. <laughs> so I don't know for sure. Here's the thing there's only a handful of times when you go to a movie, particularly opening weekend, and you get that truly authentic you know, cinema experience with the fanboys. You know what I mean? We talked, we've talked about it in the past. Like when it happens with star Wars, when you get a mainline star Wars film and you get the, you start to get the, you know, the screen crawl and you get the fanfare and like people lose their shit and they start cheering and you know, all that kind of stuff. And if it's a good star Wars movie at the end, people generally cheer, even if it's a divisive movie, like the last one, people still cheered at the end when I saw it the opening first night, you know what I mean? Yeah. The only other time I've really seen that other than like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings was in Marvel films when Stan's cameo came up. People clap and cheer on opening night. You know what I mean? Even if it's only for a second. He was so beloved that that was the one thing that everybody allowed themselves to be ripped out of the narrative for just a second to just celebrate the fact that he was there. And then dive right back in my my favorite example of that paul for my own personal theater experience was deadpool when he was the dj in the strip club (laughs) yeah it it brought the house down and then bam right back into it so when i when i posted i i google searched for an image of one of his cameos i wanted to find like the weirdest or most obscure one that i could remember and i think it's from it might have been from one of the guardians movies i can't remember but he's in this weird sci-fi getup. it's great and i was just like i didn't want him just as a mailman or you know something like that i wanted the i wanted it when they got weird would say when they were like listen stan this is what we're gonna put you in and he was like yep (laughs) yep (laughs) absolutely um yeah so you know there you are uh now (laughs) because we love to talk about delicious tasty drama here we're gonna celebrate stan's life a little bit by laughing at uh blows being traded on uh twitter here so army hammer the actor had some strong feelings about how people were memorializing stan how they were expressing their grief and you know celebrating his life and everything uh and he tweeted some criticisms towards uh particularly towards famous people you know celebrities who were tweeting out pictures of them with stan like you know selfies with stan or whatever and he he thought that it was disrespectful to stan uh because it made 
those moments about them, not him. And uh, some people on the, you know, some famous people on the internet didn't really take too kindly to that. In particular, (laughs) I'm sorry, I just really enjoy the way this went down. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, you know, you might know as Negan from The Walking Dead among a whole slew of other great roles. Uh, he responded, this was Army's original tweet. He goes, so touched by all the celebrities posting pictures of themselves with Stan Lee. No better way to commemorate an absolute legend than putting up a picture of yourself. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan responded with, looks like you found a way to use other, others' ways of mourning and their memories to draw some attention to yourself. You sound like a real asshat. <laughs> no, the comedian at play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that does raise a, like an interesting thing. Uh, I was talking with Charles about it before the show a little bit. I get what army was going for, but not now, bro. Like now is not the time to say something like that. Don't, don't go out swinging on all your fellow celebrities. You're going to catch hands, you know, like you're, these people are raw right now you know what i mean like everybody's raw and you're like oh i don't like the way you're all mourning him like <laughs> well but the thing they're not really i mean that's i honestly i'm with him because i see anytime a celebrity dies instantly and it's happened here too everybody oh this is where i met him this is where i met him this is it's like that's not mourning that's hey look at me you post on facebook in my opinion but i'm not gonna sit there and tell you that i'm not gonna sit there and yell shut you down and i think you're right paul he shouldn't have he shouldn't have done that, especially after that epic potty skit he did on Saturday Night Live, where it really captured the heart of podcast awards. Uh, he kind of, oh, yeah, that was horrible, but it was true. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you can think a whole lot of things that you just keep to yourself because the internet's made primarily of trolls, man. And that's not people intending to troll. It's just, this is me. This is my life. And this, I see that though. I see when Bowie died or when, when Prince died. Oh, you know, this is that time I was at, it's a blurry picture of a concert from 50,000 feet back. It's like, why are you posting that shit, man? Well, because I can tell you on a personal stance, you know, when my uncle passed away two years ago, you know, at his wake, me, my cousins and all, all the, 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 the friends of, of John, you know, we got together and just exchanged the most hilarious and absurd stories mm-hmm. of the times that we had with my uncle John, because that was our way of dealing with the grief. And, 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 you know, he always said like, Oh, I don't want people to mourn my death. I want you to celebrate and have a party. So I get people, you know, sharing their experiences, trying to, you know, say hey hey this is uh, we're not mourning we're uplifting these wonderful times and and exposing these wonderful memories that we have with this dude ah maybe i mean i i I know we go off topic about that well no no but like okay charles have you seen uh coco the film coco oh can we not can we not talk (laughs) about coco well, the reason, I, the reason I bring it up is because it, it's probably the most widespread pop culture expression of of the concept of the Day of the Dead. And the idea is that they, you know, they, they create this like display of all their loved family members. They put pictures up and they make, you know, sacrifices and everything. I know, I know. 
But the point is, what it is, is it's an expression of love and remembrance. And it's how, you know, in Coco, in the, in the, the plot is that that's how the spirits stay alive until everybody who loved them comes to be with them, you know, in the afterlife. <laughs> Phil is miming out, remember me. Yeah. Um, the reason I bring that up, though, is that's what people are doing when someone like this passes away and you post a picture that you took with Stan or whatever is you're you're basically projecting out to the world hey this was this is somebody who has affected millions of us and this was my little brief moment close to the sun you know what my my icarus moment with him you know um for a guy that was so busy that (laughs) took so much time to meet so many people and to do so many things it's actually kind of awe-inspiring when you suddenly see that he passed and the internet is just awash with literally tens of thousands of pictures of famous people and not famous people who got to take pictures with him or got to work with him on a project or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's meaningful. And you know, most people don't get that even famous, like most famous people don't get that kind of, response and outcry when only the truly greats do you know what i mean i can think of a handful of people like robin williams for example when he left us that had a huge impact on a lot of people and people were you know and just like we did here earlier like you know you talk about when when you came to realize how much of an impact in your life that person had and everything i think that's meaningful but i also get what army hammer saying i just don't think he went about it the right way yeah, you know, and I definitely don't think you want to do it while everybody's raw in the cut. Still, you know what I mean? Like, no, that's a text mess- message that you send to a personal friend, not out on Twitter to millions uh, of people. I mean, about the the only way he could have made it worse is if he actually like added certain people to just legit <laughs> tag them directly to yeah. deep strike them out, like bam. <laughs> but you know, it I is what it is. Yeah. Come get me. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you know everybody. Everybody has their memories. They have their moments, and and it is what it is. On a weird twist of pop culture, so I'm gonna set it up because somebody brought me this story earlier this week. And like, hey, did you hear about this? I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, that's exactly how I responded. Fictional, and they can do whatever they want. And there's some, and then of course, oh, they're like, oh well, it's copyrighted. This, like, well, okay, they, I doubt it. Because I'm pretty sure Netflix is lawyers and, and people know how to handle their copyright laws. But Phil's going to talk about uh, Satan. <laughs> uh, oh, everybody, uh, hail Bathomay. <laughs> so, Sabrina, the teenage witch, which has been around fucking forever. No, uh, no, no, the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Well, we're going, yeah, the specific Sabrina's- Netflix run, but the Sabrina, I mean, the character of Sabrina and witchcraft and all that just been around forever. And they took a nice, darker, more demony take on this. What's going on with uh, these? Did you say demon? No, no, <laughs> no. Are we going to the movies? <laughs> We're going to streaming services, sir. Go back to hell where you came from. I banish thee. So, yeah. Um, the little television show of Sabrina and her chilling adventures on Netflix is getting sued by the Satanic Temple because 
they straight up stole their statue of their prophet Satan Bathome, um, which is a goat, a goat man with his two fingers up and children standing in front of him. Um, it's kind of silly. It's kind of funny. Uh, well, b- because, uh, well, you know, the, 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 the Satanic Temple is actually going out for a hundred and fifty million dollars. Million dollars. It's so, it's so Dr. Evil. Like, oh. That's a lot of old scratch, if you ask me. Um, <sighs> I don't know if you guys know this, but when we were at Dragon Con this year, uh, um, and for the listeners, welcome to our silly stories of what happened at Dragon Con. We decided to go out to a barcade a little bit outside of Atlanta um, as, you know, as a network. And as I stood outside uh, enjoying my nice uh, gin and tonic, I got into a conversation with somebody who um, was part of the subsector of the Church of Satan. And I spent an hour outside, not hanging out with my friends, but getting a nice um, lecturing on how the Church of Satan works and how the subsectors break down and all this razzmatazz. It was, it was. Uh, I don't know if enlightening is the word I want to use, but it uh, it's the first one that comes to mind. Um, and it just it it it's silly to see that you know the complications inside the Church of Satan are just as crazy as any other religion. But, um. We're not talking about the Church of Satan. We're talking about the Satanic Temple because that's the issue. The Church of Satan is getting a lot of heat for this lawsuit while they have nothing to do with it because it's a different branch of the Satanic religion. Um, 150 fucking million dollars? Did you just say Satanic religion? Whatever. I... Hey man, get some DVX. Magic woman. But $150 million. Um, I don't know if you guys have have you guys watched the chilling adventures of I have Sabrina, the satanic witch? Uh, honestly, yeah. I mean it was great. So there's a Oh no no no. Continue. No, no, well, I was gonna say, yeah. So the what they're referring to is uh there's a school of, of dark magic and wizardry, you know, basically, uh, emo Hogwarts, uh, that is, that is in the show that Sabrina goes to eventually. And it, much like Hogwarts, it's, it's like moving and has like, it's way bigger on the inside than it looks like on the outside. It's basically a TARDIS, I guess. Jesus, they can uh, just be sued by everybody right now. But uh, in the middle of the foyer that they have a lot of scenes in, there is yeah. this giant fuck off. Okay, it's Baphomet, not Baphomet, you weirdo. Uh, you can say it any way. The T's silent. Why, why don't you learn your demons, you dumb dick? You dumb uh, dick. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, in any case, right in the middle of this fucking room that people stand in and talk to each other, there is this giant, you know, statue of baphomet and uh yeah it it definitely looks like the one that 
you know, made media headlines recently that got moved around a couple of times because they, they put it up at a courthouse and then people were like, but think of the children. And they're like, but you don't get the point that we're trying to make. <laughs> but look at our statue. It has children. It has children. <laughs> Baphomet is welcoming these children with open arms. Uh, I honestly like... <laughs> This show is devolving. I, I suddenly feel like we're on nerds from work. What the fuck? Pull your shit together, boys. Hey, man, when we're talking Satan, it's just it's a, it's a loose place, man. Hail Satan. Uh, I honestly, um, I feel like this will get thrown out. Like, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't see how this is enforceable. Um, OK, because like, can you actually claim copyright to religious iconography? Yeah, if, it, if the if the production if the set designers literally like stole the statue or if they like scanned the statue somehow and and recreated it perfectly and didn't I would have to say know, the artist who made it right right but like, other be, than that just because like, it looks similar I'm sorry are we gonna take off like are we gonna sue Daredevil for having statues of Jesus and crosses and stuff well well I, I think their whole point is not all you know the 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 image of Baphomet is you're right public domain but it's it's the fact that like it's a complete replica of their statue with the children in front of him and everything almost down to exactness so is that piece of art that statue is that a copyrighted property because if it is a copyrighted property then they have a almost a legitimate case against them it's not and that's this is what i told the person around the story it doesn't matter i don't think this has legs i think that netflix and their lawyer well it has hooves it doesn't have legs. <laughs> I, think, I think that they would have gotten ahead of this and and, and crossed all their t's and dotted all their eyes all that jazz Upsound down tees. But this is about publicity. What are we talking about? The Church of Satan and the Baphomets and the It's not the Church of Satan. Stop saying it's the Church the of Satan. Santana temples. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. They want this is a thing just to get their name out there to get more attention. Fuck off with this Judean people's front nonsense. <laughs> That's all I can think of. What Phil's correcting. It's not the Church of Satan. It's definitely not the People's Liberation Front of Judea. <laughs> Holy shit. I gotta, I gotta leave. I just, I'm so hard right now. <laughs> um, yeah. I, it, the absurdity is real. Um, I wish them all the luck in the world, but they it's not going to happen. You don't need luck when you have Satan on your side. I, and so the, their issue, though, is that it was used in conjunction with the storyline projecting all of these evil witches and wizards as, you know, followers of Satan and they're evil. And they like they're, you know, because it's playing to a cliche like that. You know sure. the cl- the cliche Satanists. Um, but they but don't also have werewolves and vampires and other shit. Well, this, yeah, this, but this, it, it's all this. it's all very tongue in cheek. It's not like yeah, it's not presenting it as a like a legit. It's it's the it's whole a, premise of the show is she's coming of age. She has to pick human or witch. I get like the the 
out of your playbook, Charles, if they did this on Supernatural, would they sue Supernatural if they use this statue? Right. I don't think so, because it's, you know what I mean? It's about as... Plus, that's CW money. You can go get shit out of that. No, 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 no. But you're right, Paul. I mean, other productions have used almost the exact same statue, and they have gotten no ground off of it. Um, So it, it is interesting that they're going after Netflix for it, even though it's been publicly stated that Netflix is in so much goddamn debt, they're going to have to make a deal with the devil to get out of it. <laughs> well, but and my other thing is, like, what what's your end goal here? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? I think they already have accomplished that, right? Just like Charles was saying. Exposure? Yeah. yeah. Get the... and... But you're the satanic temple. <laughs> like... You know, like you're only going to get attention from the people you, you don't want you to mean pay attention. The to. Sailors Templar. <laughs> Are we the, doing uh, an Assassin's Creed promo? I'm mis- I, I don't understand the story at all. The Temple of Satani, uh, the the People's Liberation Temple of Satani. <laughs> I hate this show. Can I go to the nerds for work now? <laughs> Pull pot. Pull pot. Oh, my God. Oh, jeez. Sorry, I, I just wanted to bring it because it's silly. It is. Yeah, it's really absurd. Uh, I hope they get their day in court. I can't wait to read about it after the fact. Oh, I mean, I've been following uh, following this story since it broke. I, I just, I love it. I love it so much. I would. Lo- I want to hear the wrap-up. You almost never get to wrap-up to these things. It's always headlines, blam, and then the court case drags out or whatever, and then it gets dismissed or or they settle and you never hear because nobody cares i care i care so uh do you care about the mandalorian the star wars tv show i actually do i care a lot i think it's going to be a nice jumping point for disney plus so uh they added gina carano to the cast dope yeah. what's she what's she doing in it she is walking around being a tough bitch. That's what she's doing. God damn. Ain't, ain't that she the is truth. who she is. <laughs> and that's a title of respect, by the way. I, I would absolutely never disrespect her because, you know, she whooped Colossus' ass. She can handle me just fine. Uh, that sounded dirty. And did not <laughs> yeah, that like, no, oh, please no. don't hashtag me to me. I, that was not the intent there. Sorry. Um, I'm trying to see. No, it didn't tell. It didn't say what her role is going to be. It doesn't matter, man. That I I've got such and and like everybody else on the internet, I have such high expectations and and excitement for the show. Um as and and for them to use it as a launch show, I God, it it better fucking nail it. And I think they will. Yeah. My wife is now starting even though I've been telling her about the, the Disney Plus for a while, it's starting to make normie news. And she's starting to get excited. Oh, I can't. I want to see how much it's going to be. It's like, yeah, we'll see. Because the other Disney shit we don't care about because they just kill parents and act stupid. So we don't want them. Well, I mean, come on. You're going to get all. We're never going to try this. You're going to get all of Marvel, all of DC, all of Disney. All of what? Marvel, Marvel, (laughs) Star Wars, and Disney. Congratulations, Charles! You got me. You got me. <laughs> oh man, that's uh, that's nearly a year to the day. <laughs> yeah, it's close. And if a password falls on your lap from Chippensburg, I it it, it would probably happen. All right, because they already got my monies. <laughs> so we're gonna be back 
after getting your monies right after this. Patreon.com slash breaking the panel is where you go to support the show. Now, we know that you all are crazy enough to listen to our little shit show here, but are you crazy enough to support? A lot of you actually are. Um, we've got a couple new patrons over the last couple of weeks, and I deeply appreciate it all the way down in my deep, grinchy heart. One of the perks you get with the Patreon is the behind-the-scenes uncut editions of the weekly episode. Um, we record for about 20 to 30 minutes before the show starts. We talk in the mid, mid-show mid break and then the post-show. And a lot of that, you know, just gets cut out because it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the show. Maybe uh, at that point we talk about things that we're going to drop mid-show. Uh, things get weird. Things get heated sometimes. Uh, the only place to get that is over at patreon.com slash breaking the panel. So support if you can. Any amount is perfect with us. And let's get to the second half of the show where I believe we talk about a creepy mime and a Deadpool detective story, maybe? I don't know. You listen, dick. See ya! And we're back. Hope you enjoyed that uh, sad remembrance of the Temple of Satan's passing away as uh, our Patreon ad. So uh, I'm just going to give holy fuck balls. This detective Pikachu shit looks amazing. Who knew? Boy, when I heard when I heard a year ago, two years ago, Detective Pikachu was like, "What? Another bullshit Pokemon?" And then I heard Ryan Reynolds gets attached. Like, what? Yeah. What, I'm Phil? just I'm just going to put this out there right now. This has the potential of being the greatest video game movie of all time. It does. It really does. The graphics already are like. I mean, I'm watching it going, I don't care about Pokemon. Look at that fucking Charizard. Oh, my God. I can't the wait. Time is freaking Yeah. The, the cutesy Pokemon, they nail those, right? Right. Like, like they, look, they look realistic but cutesy. The more, quote, unquote, ferocious Pokemon look legitimately a little bit intimidating. And then Ryan Reynolds voices Pikachu. And I just, like... Oh my god! And the most PG thing you've ever seen him do. So it's going to be not as good because he's no, not. No. A PG guy. What, dude? Do you did you forget who Ryan Reynolds was before he did Deadpool? He was like the most PG guy on the planet. Van Wilder. Well, okay, yeah. I'll take that back. That, that's who he was. But he did Van a Wilder. shitload of like mid. You guys are going to pizza place. I mean, he he did his stuff, but it wasn't his best work. And I'm not saying it's not great. I loved he, him. He cut his teeth on rom-coms yeah. and occasionally sprinkled in some shenanigans. Hey, man, I enjoyed Just Friends or The Proposal. <laughs> the Proposal was great. The that was a huge Bullock fan. I was actually watching uh, Ryan Reynolds' uh, outtakes the other day on YouTube. It popped up randomly in my feed, and uh, there were a couple from The Proposal that were actually pretty hilarious. So, uh, My favorite ryan reynolds movie real quick is uh pre-deadpool let's say is uh is waiting as somebody who has worked in the food services waiting oh just makes god i hated that pain. in a good way oh my god it's so yeah. real but it's, anyway yeah, that's why i hated it because pikachu huh <laughs> yeah you know i saw uh uh 
the first exposure my wife got to this was on iFunny. Somebody did a meme with Pikachu walking around, but they did a surly voice. Hey, did you fuck my wife? You fuck my wife. And it's just Pikachu walking around. And I'm like, she said, hey, have you seen this? She didn't quite hear what it's saying. I was like, yeah, this is Ryan Reynolds. She goes, that doesn't sound like Ryan Reynolds. She turns it off. I was like, no, it's, some, it's a meme, babe. Somebody took it because he went super R-rated. It was hilarious. Um, but honestly, if you put it on mute and just watch it, the weirdest erotic fanfic Pokemon ever. It's just weird. I was like, do it. Put it on mute. With that in your mind, you'll be like, oh, this movie is going to be creepy. Yeah, especially the Mr. Mime shit. That's just, mm-mm. that's some Reddit level bullshit right there. <laughs> it, it is, but, you know, I, Dude, I that, think. That fucking Mr. Mime scene. <laughs> that was, okay. Oh, man. Sorry. Go ahead, Phil. No, I, I think they they really are going to show true fanship and, and homage to these, you know, Gen 1s and Gen Gen 2, Gen 3s where Mr. Mime's a psychic Pokemon and he just throws up an invisible wall as Pikachu goes to attack him and then just, oh, yeah, no, I, I should have known that was going to happen. It, oh, my God. I can't believe that. <laughs> I am this hype for a live-action Pokemon movie. It blows my fucking mind. I don't. I kind of hate myself a little bit. I do not want to be happy that this movie is coming out. No. Pokemon. Yeah, but, I mean, it's going to... Uh, it's going to change the That's the, the guy Pokemon. who hosts Pokemon Go. I know. It's I'm the filthy casual. I play a singular game. I hate Pokemon. <laughs> well, come listen to me on Pokemon Go podcast. <laughs> I catch all the Pokemans. I get salty there too, don't I, Phil? All <laughs> <laughs> the fans suck it. Oh, jeez, uh, though. I mean, who would think? You know, you have all these heavy properties. You have Warcraft. You have Assassin's Creed, uh, Prince of Persia. Are we just listing off shitty video game movies? And Pokemon is the one that yeah, might gets actually. It right get it right and break the the fucking stigma that video games don't make good movies. I even showed this to Sue who, you know, loosely plays Pokemon go when she's out and about. Um, I don't think she has any real exposure to any of, you know, the game boy games and she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm down with this, but, but I will, I will agree with Reddit. Danny DeVito voicing po- uh, Pikachu would have been really goddamn <laughs> awesome. Uh, so the premise is that this is a Pokemon world. It's not that Pikachu's weirdly out there and everybody's hidden. This is a world where Pokemon exist and yeah. everybody interacts with them like you do in the game. They hear the Pika, Pika, and they, they say that in the trailer. Um, and then they just kind of go on this buddy cop adventure it sounds like it looks like yeah which which is great because you gotta wonder how they're going to breach that that non you know language gap because um recently in the last pokemon animated movie they made pikachu speak english didn't go well did not go well with 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 the consumers so I was very curious on how they were going to do it. And I'm glad that they addressed it. And I think it's a hilarious way to do it that, you know, he's so much going through a psychotic, almost midlife crisis at the age of 17 that yeah. he can hear Pokemon talk to him. But I also enjoyed that 
they went for almost a realistic stylization of the Pokemon mm-hmm. and didn't just go after your, let's say, you know, Roger Rabbit esque, you yeah. know, cell animation over it. So Yeah, no, that's that's honestly what's got me hyped is the graphics on this thing are fucking amazing. So so just well done. Um and what in that two minute trailer they they showed thirty two different Pokemon, you know, hidden all around each scene. It's kind of going to be like, I I hope it kind of feels like Ready Player One, mm, where yeah. you're you're always looking in the background for these 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 Easter eggs or these nods to the to the true believers of of Pokemon. So I'm excited. It, it looks it looks fun. I'm now pretty hyped for it as well. It's gonna be great. We need this. Oh no! This will be the first Pokemon movie I see in theaters since the the original animated one. This will be the first Pokemon I see in full, ever. Because I like watched like thirty minutes of the original animation, but no, I don't give a shit. Oh, you're a madman. I watched. uh, I had my kids watch the first thirty minutes of one of the newest ones, and they didn't give a shit either. So it's like, well, they're raised by a madman. Well, I try. Uh, We have to put something to bed here with the classic nes the classic snes and the classic playstation they some people have put out some articles caught i think you brought this to the the host chat of uh the classic pc coming out and it's a nice i love to throw back to the tandy 4000 or whatever it was you know the miniature format this and that and the other is this real or is this just, just fantasy Yes. Um, I can't real quick. I can't tell if I'm being trolled because the link that you put in the show notes brings me to movie pass news. So I don't know. what's going on. <laughs> That's not the link for the classic PC. I don't have the link for that. Okay. That's something else I want to invoke here. Oh, now. shit. I have Damn to. It. It's really about AMC, but they, they did invoke. The oh, fuck. All right. Paul, go for your classic PC love. Well, so basically, I stumbled on it, and if it's not a joke, this company has put together a classic PC mini console in the vein of the, you know, NES and SNES classics, and the Sega one that's coming out, and, you know, the PlayStation 1. Atari, yeah. Uh, It looks like an old tower, you know, one of the, I shouldn't sideways box you know what i mean before they were actually quote-unquote towers with old ibms yeah old ibms and it's uh supposedly gonna have it looked like about 20 games and the article said they were all going to be officially licensed so it was going to be legit um and how i stumbled on that is i in on facebook i follow a collector's group for big box pc games and uh basically i i'm not really into it myself but i love to see people post their collections that where they've kept all of these classic video games in their original release formats. Um, a lot of times, I mean, it's really, really difficult to get older games like that to run um, just to get the right technology to line up and everything. You know what I mean? You've got to have like a couple of dedicated uh, snapshots of various eras to get it to all work. Um, but people were looking at it and they were, they were kind of laughing about it and I was laughing. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, man. If it's a thing, uh, it might be kind of interesting. It's a, like it said that it's a hundred dollars, which is about 
$90 too much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was the first thing somebody, I think Phil, you know, I get most of these titles, most PC titles for a few bucks on Steam. Yes. And everybody started talking about emulators and this and that. And, and my first thought was, I love my memories of cutting my teeth on Wolfenstein. I sure as hell don't want to go back and play Wolfenstein because yeah, but you're 20 years later, it's shit. The gameplay isn't any different. You're you're just a graphic snob. I am a I am. I mean that is you, that's you, not no. I mean you've did that many many times. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's not so, news. So are they saying what era of PC gaming they're going to have on here? Essentially, the, the ye old DOS prompt era. So it's going to be early. 80s 80s OG King's Quest and that's what I'm saying yeah. are we going to have like King's Quest and text adventures on here uh, I'm sure there'll be a mix of everything I would Battle imagine. Zone and I, I actually don't think it's going to be all the way back to the 80s I think it might target like early to mid 90s so like if it has like Day of the Tentacle or or even like the original Mist but a hundred dollars I mean you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I I try not to. The only saving grace that could, I I still won't pay a hundred dollars. But if it has the original, let's say Tie Fighter, uh-huh. uh, that was cool. Or I, or X Wing. That's exactly the kind of title I think they would have a tough time getting the uh, license. Yeah. I agree, but uh, how, what are you justifying your $100 for if it's not for your software, you know? Because uh, let's be honest, everybody knows that these are just Raspberry Pis with with mm-hmm. cool with cool little, uh, you know, 3D printed consoles around them. One of the, um, one of the early analysis breakdowns that i saw of it if it is real was that they they suspect the way they would go about doing this would not be a raspberry pi type thing because so the the nintendo classics and many of these other ones they are essentially quote-unquote hackable where you can load your own roms onto them oh they are hackable right no they are they just are because of their nature and people have modified them and i mean honestly i honestly think that unless you're a hardcore collector, that's the best way to get value out of those systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've played with a few that have done it and it's, it's neat. However, they are saying that they think the way that this would be set up software wise, it wouldn't necessarily be possible to do that. So it might have limitations to keep it from being at which point, I mean, a raspberry Pi is not much more expensive than this at this point. Well, a full setup for it. So, but from a marketing standpoint, this is going to be a console, which means you plug it into your TV, turn it on, and it plays. Well, so that's right. what a Raspberry Pi can do. Yeah, but, okay, I get that. I get that because I've done the research. Average consumer Joe who is our age, and right? Can, yeah, no, it, they don't the think about that. Something like this could exist. They yeah. think Raspberry Pi is the shit you get down at the diner. So here, here's the thing: that like, ooh, and they'll buy it. The only issue here is, okay, so when you do that with Nintendo, sure. When you do it with Atari, sure. When you do any of the others, when you do it with classic PC games, it doesn't fly because you're talking about like the, the, the demographic that's going to care about those games and have any connection to them are your early adopters of PC technology. 
they're, you know what I mean? They are exactly the group of people who are going to know how to do something like grab a Raspberry Pi, follow some simple instructions and have it set up. You know what I mean? So like what you're talking about is totally applicable to consoles that kind of pave the way for modern gaming, but PC gaming's always been this rogue space. It's always been like, for lack of a better phrase, a maker space. You know what I mean? Like it. Yeah. No, you're not wrong, and that's why we have mods on PC, and we don't have yeah. them on on console. Right. So I just I see this potentially falling flat. I think it's neat. If I saw it in a pawn shop for like twenty bucks, I would probably buy it just for the laugh, even if it didn't work. Just to have it on my shelf, you know what I mean? Like, ha, that thing's funny. I can't wait for this to come out in a couple of weeks to be a hidden onion article. Right. Oh my god, that would be great. You see, Jonathan. Jonathan jumped right and said, is this real? And he like started digging into the comments and everything. So I can't tell if he wants it to be real or wants it to be fake, but, but he was he was Detective Pikachu on that one. There, Take it back. <laughs> but every, like you were saying, Paul, every like PC game that's worthwhile from the early years of PC gaming is from companies that are still active, still around, and still keeps their their or, yeah either those ips are maintained or they're abandonware or they're available in gog for like a dollar sure and that's that's why like we're not going to get warcraft on this we're not going to get starcraft we're not going to get um the original grand theft auto or or um shit what does steam do um half-life the original Half-Life, you know, we're, we're not going to get any of these major or any of the LucasArts, you know, Sam and Max Fandango. or yeah. Monkey Island. We're not going to get any of these because these IPs have been kept up and thrown on Steam for, you know, pennies. And they're in the PlayStation Store and the Microsoft Store. Exactly. They already, you know, outsource these. So I'm, I'm just, I'm curious to keep an eye on this to what actual software they think they're going to trick people into paying a hundred dollars for that being said personally i would lose my shit if they did a product like this that was based on a specific ip and that is dungeons and dragons if they did a box that came with all of the classic um pc dungeons and dragons games from the 90s that would be something that I would buy. You know what I mean? Because uh, a lot of those games had compatibility issues, and but there's a lot of good games from that era um, that would be really fun to play on console yeah. effectively. Which reminds me, is that box behind you? Is that Neverwinter Nights or Neverwinter? What? All on your shelf. I Where? keep seeing that box behind you. It looks like it says Neverwinter. Which, and you talk about that? Yeah. That says Netrunner. Ah, okay, so in the distance, similar. But you were talking about D and D. I I was a fan of the Baldur's Gate, the Black Isle games, mm-hmm. Baldur's Gate stuff, and Neverwinter and all well, that. Well, that stuff would have to still be on PC, and there there are uh, enhanced editions for those out nowadays on Steam. Yeah, and they're great, like because they they really polished them up. They got rid of a lot of the bugs. Uh, they gave them modern compatibility for modern equipment. And I, I just I don't think this is real though. It doesn't feel real, oh. but. If I'm going to pay $100 to play Zork again, I, I, I can't wait. I'll be first in line to play 
played Zork. Maybe Zork two, Zork so, three. For fifty bucks, I'll just punch you in the nuts, and you won't have to unwrap it. You Come say in. that, Paul? Paul? But he, I, I just bought that on Steam four <laughs> years ago. <laughs> just bought it on Steam four years ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna get to it. You know, you get it. He gets it, Mister Four Hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'll keep an eye on this, and uh, once once the games release, uh, we'll bring it back to the show. What what games would you listeners like to see on this quote unquote classic PC? You can email the show at what Phil. I'm throwing to you. I don't know what goddamn email address for this. <laughs> I know you don't. BTP at giantsizeteamup.com. And would you buy it and at what price? You know, that's that's the answers we want in the email. You know, what games you want and what would the price be to make you buy this thing? So, they would have to pay me to take it. <laughs> I, I don't get it. But and the I, thing that they're going to kickstart this, and I, I, if they do kickstart this, it will get funded. A hundred percent. It will get funded within 48 hours. But it just... Oh my God! I'm, it angers me. The licensing thing is going to be, like you said, it's the biggest problem, Paul. The licensing is going to be crazy. Oh, I can't wait to not play Diablo two on this. Or Diablo. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? They they put out Diablo two remastered that they do by themselves, and they beat Blizzard to market, and everybody's so pissed off about Diablo Immortals that everybody kickstarts this and plays what they want. <laughs> we shall see. Can I, but can I on this console go to Omega drivers and make my games look better by using independent drivers? Well, apparently it's unhackable because, you know, the PC community never finds a way about around unhackable things. So, so because uh, the, the movie past demon was invoked earlier, it made me think, you know what? I'm going to look at some news to see if they burned to the ground. Uh, this is actually an article about AMC that I found in that search, but just for giggles, AMC is trading at $15.68 a share right now. Helios and Matheson, which is the parent company of MoviePass, is trading at $0.02 a share. $0.02, sir. So, uh, yeah, that thing. But I thought this was interesting because in all comparisons, AMC is the king. They they kicked the crap out of MoviePass. They were the the big dogs in a little fight. And they launched their, their stuffs. Well... They're finding that they're twenty dollars a month, which is double what MoviePass was, for you know more offerings because they own the company. They can offer three D and all this other stuff. Blah blah blah. It's not quite working for them like they thought. AMC, as of today, actually this morning, is raising the price of Stubbs A listers, its ticket subscription service, by four up to four dollars a month in the fifteen states where it's most popular. So it's going to go from twenty dollars a month per person. To up to $24 a month per person. Uh, it's an indication that the theater operators discovered, just like MoviePass before, the more moviegoers who use the service, the less sustainable the concept is. And AMC, of course, is saying, no, we're solid. We're not going to go crazy like them. We're not going to go back and forth. Uh, but they have admitted that it impacts the way the tickets are sold and that it's just not quite working the way they wanted to, because it's three movies a week, but $20 a month. What's your movie prices in, in your area, Paul, on a normal Friday? Uh, prime time for a non-3D yeah. movie is like 11 bucks, something like that. So 
one and a half movies you've paid for it. The third movie is free in a week. Mm-hmm. And then the other three weeks are free. Yeah. Right. Let's just say that. Plus those now, points go to the, okay. Keep, keep in mind that my local theater is a small independent chain. So. Sure. But I know, I know here, uh, I, I'm not even in the Metro Atlanta. So outside the Metro Atlanta inside, it's like 15 and 18 bucks a ticket. Yeah, that's um, crazy. It can't Ooh. get that way. At the most, at the bigger, but you're talking about you're talking about the the IMAX 3D. You're talking about the the the, the nicer theaters, so on and so forth. Uh, I mean, I've seen I've seen it 15, 16 a ticket for 2D showing on a Friday night where everybody's going out, on a Saturday night where everybody's going out, mm-hmm. right? So, and then outside the metro, you're talking ten to thirteen dollars, depending on what night you go for a 2D ticket. And of course, it's two to three dollars more for anything beyond that. And that's a shithole theater. That's you know, ten minutes from me. That's an AMC. Uh, and I still enjoy the brand AMC. I just wish they'd fix that theater. I just can't do it, man. But yeah, uh, so you're talking about twenty dollars a month. You're burning through even at two movies in one week. Now the rest are free. Those points are going. The twenty dollars in points are going to your concessions. You can get free. You know, you get your rewards and concessions and stuff. Although. Um, the, this is on the Motley Fool. So it says, while AMC's program looks more sustainable, even it will turn into a money-losing proposition if too many people use it too much. Well, yeah. I mean, that's... So, yeah. So I, it's just to keep it on. I, I don't know that the subscription movement is going to sustain <clears throat> anything right now. Um, I think that... So AMC's goal was to kill MoviePass, right? Yeah, which they they, at least least from their perspective. Um, So I think that's why they rolled out this program the way they did, and they—it's a loss leader. It was intended just to to stomp their competition, or that—that's not even competition, but it's just to stomp MoviePass down. Sure. So yeah, I mean, and that's a somewhat necessary evil for them to sacrifice some profits for a little while to make that happen. And nobody's going to rail against AMC if they drop the program for it not working. Either. Oh, they will initially. I mean, yeah. Oh, it didn't work, but AMC won't hurt, right? there because right. they're AMC. They're one of the bigger chains in the U.S. If I don't know if they're international or not, but uh, it just lists off the states. I'm not going to read them all, but Georgia is one of the states that will be getting a tw- a two dollar per month extra. I mean, uh, New York so, is getting four. So there you go. Basically, to circle back to what you were saying earlier. All right. So if this is twenty or twenty five dollars a month, and you're charging fifteen dollars for a prime time ticket and you're giving three tickets away a month, yeah. you're potentially not, not just no, three tickets a week or yeah, I'm sorry. A yeah. week, Right. You're not, you know, like you're, you're not just giving away, you're not doing the buy 10, get one free deal that you would get at like a sub shop or a coffee place or something like that. Right. Which is basically like, Oh, we're going to make so much money off of you that by the time we give you this free one, it means nothing to us because you're going to have bought all these other ones. Instead, you're saying for the price of one ticket, we're going to let you get 12 movies or two tickets. We're going to let you get 12 movies potentially. That's insane. Like that you are like, and now you've also created an expectation. This kind of speaks to the discount mentality that we, particularly in our culture here in the States, we have when you frequently put things on sale or you frequently put things on clearance or whatever, people start to value those things at the discounted rate. And it, it creates a mental shift 
where people no longer see it as being worth the price that you originally set price at they see it as the discounted price as being the worth price you know like the new real price um it's a very common concept in like trading cards for example um and it creates a price memory you know what i mean so like they've done that they they have now they've made these programs between movie pass and amc's they've made them so lucrative that the consumer doesn't perceive a movie as being worth $15 anymore. Honestly, I never perceived that. Sure. But you would go once in a while, right? Yeah. When I always worked, my ideas always found that way to bring that price down. So yeah. The, I would guess. the thing that I do not understand is how they do not have accountants who can sit there and say, and market research firms that can say, what is the sweet spot here? What is the perfect yeah. intersection of this is how much we charge. This is how many free movies we give away. This is the overall adoption rate we expect out of that because it, it right. shouldn't be difficult. You know what I mean? Um, right. And if it's still a good deal, people will still buy it, but it's, you know, it, we, we've compared it to the, you know, the, the gym membership. Yeah. 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 Right? yeah. You know, planet fitness is, is if you go into a planet fitness, on January 1st or 2nd, it's wall-to-wall assholes, right? <laughs> like, yeah. it's just full <laughs> to the brim. If you go there two weeks later, there are nowhere near as many people. If you go there a month later, it's back down to pretty much the hardcore, you know, people who just go all the time. You know, the quote-unquote fit people who, and a handful of other people who are trying to make a change. Yeah. It works, because so many of those people who signed up as their New Year's resolution or trying to lose that post-holiday weight or whatever, however they want to justify it, right. have now forgotten that they signed up and they're getting, you know, the ten or fifteen dollars below that pain threshold. Right, exactly. Yeah. And it, it's there's no way for you to extract more value than has been offered from a gym membership. You know what I mean? If right. you are there 24 seven, it's no skin off their back because they have to be there anyways. You know, like they're, they're going to be open. They're going to have the lights on. The machines are all going to be plugged in. You know, all that kind of right. stuff is going to happen regardless. All you're doing is making use of it. That's not the case with movies because right. you can't go to a planet fitness and say, Hey, I just want to come in for the day. Can I give you $10 or five? You know what I mean? Like at least I don't think you can. Um, so that's the thing, you know what I mean? It, it it doesn't work, and there are way more people paying for gym memberships than there are people who are actually using them all the time. So it works for them. That's not what's going on with these movie deals because the movies themselves are already so expensive. That's the issue: is that they're so ludicrously expensive to begin with. You know, it's well, not only that, but you know, when a theater is empty, the movie still has to run. When yeah. the equipment at the yeah. gym is empty, it just sits there. Yeah. Yep. There's no wear and tear. There's, yeah. Yep. Correct. And they know, uh, nah, it doesn't matter. Um, but I, you know, I, I said when I was going with the Demon Pass that uh, we'd spend money on concessions. I'm yeah. complete. <laughs> you, I, I completed you. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a D, pick a Destiny reference. Yeah. Uh, but like with the reason I never jumped on AMC because they they're still targeting that individual consumer because they say oh you got a family of six you're gonna pay twenty dollars per person we'll make a month I can't afford that I never I never paid those prices before I would literally go on a Sunday morning at ten a.m. with the family or eleven a.m. 
to the five dollar movie knowing nobody'd be there. You know, and then the Coke rewards program. Well, that's, uh, that's other stuff the didn't work. These these theaters are not embracing as much as they could ideas like date packages. Yeah. If you give me the same twelve tickets for twenty bucks, but I could just use them all at once or twice. Yeah, you know, I could take my family to two movies for twenty bucks and we would spend money at the concessions. Oh, if they did like the coupon book thing where like you go yeah. to the theater, you pay X amount of money and they give you the month's worth of you know yeah. vouchers. Yeah. Uh well no, but I'm also thinking of like they don't do enough bulk deals. Like when you like you said, when you have a family you might be much more inclined to bring your family to the theater if they offered bulk discounts for having X amount of people, you know, or a family package where it's like, Hey, it's $40 for two adults and up to three kids or something like that. You know what I mean? That's not a bad deal, especially if you're a parent or two parents who are just trying to occupy your kids for the day on like a day off or a snow day or something like that. Yeah. That's not a bad, you know, bad. And you can even limit those kind of programs. You can limit it to kids-friendly movies. You can limit it to PG or PG-13. You know what Non-releases, I mean? Non-releases, all that jazz. Yeah. Right. And people will still see it as, you know, use, as a useful option. But people just aren't going to keep turning up to theaters when the price just keeps going higher. And it's just not worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You would think that they would figure this out by now. But they haven't. But they haven't. And well, it's it's hard to look around the piles of money that they're still kind of making. I, I think it's it's precisely the issue that the music industry faced 10 years ago. Yes, uh, you're not wrong. But also, that came on so sudden for the music industry. It was like Napster happened overnight. Everyone freaked the fuck out. But we've been talking about the decline in, in movie ticket sales for years yeah and how you know streaming is a thing you can't be ignorant to what the new trend is i mean that's that's what put well that's blockbuster in the grave that's what's putting Redbox in the grave because nobody wants to you know embrace this new uh, uh, technology technological advancement of how we view media Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I believe it's going to take some sort of big player or big streaming service to say, okay, you want to sit at home and not go to the theater? I think it's going to take like a big studio to start their own streaming service to finally wake up the industry uh, for, for movies. And I think by that time, it's just too late. That's already happening, though. I, I I know it's probably happened with more films, but Rampage this past year, when that Rampage movie came out, it was immediately rentable through I forget which service it might have been Prime. So you could go see it in the theater, or you could pay X amount and watch it at home with your family. And it's more than a regular stream. It's not like the five dollar rental. It's like right, a- right. It wasn't. A, it, it was about the same price as one person going to see it in the yeah. theater. Yeah. And you could show it to your whole family. Or how you know have a bunch of right. friends over or whatever, um, yeah. I mean, it, it was quote unquote abusable, but it was like I thought that was interesting that it was available day one. Like it's out in theaters. It's also out here. If you want to watch it from home, you can watch it from home. That's the future. Oh God, I, it can't come soon enough. But right. it's unfortunate because we've talked about this in the past. I feel like this is going to lead to to the demise of a good many 
theaters, much like it, much like the music revolution of 15 years ago led to the demise of the record store. I mean, how many record stores still exist? There's some, some, some urban centers can still support them a couple of bigger towns and stuff, but it's not like it used to be where you could have two or three record shops in a, you know, mid-sized empire records. Right. Right. Yeah. There's no empire records. No, look at tower records. Oh my God. Did you, if you had said 20 years ago, that tower records would just fall apart in yeah. 10 years i would have laughed at you well obviously they weren't having enough rex manning days to keep that place afloat <laughs> so that that is on i think netflix and i or maybe it's hulu it's on netflix i watched it the other day it's was, so good i fucking love that movie. I, it, I i saw that when it came out um and i've always wanted to work into a record store ever since yeah, me too i haven't seen it in a long time my name's not warren i mean my name's not fucking warren <laughs> Uh, but you know, beyond all of this stuff, right? We love to talk about what we're doing throughout the week. So, uh, Klotz, what you got, man? What you been watching, reading, and playing? Okay, so I, I have to be honest here. Um, now, please lie to us like every other week. No, 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 <laughs> no, not this week. <laughs> this week, I'm going to be honest. Well, the, the cold weather is upon us, okay? Yeah. Uh, the snow has started to hit the ground here in the northeast. Um, my seasonal depression has come back like an angry monster. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of binging TV. Um, now I'm not just sitting and watching, crying myself to sleep all day. No, Sometimes you lay down and watch. Uh, <laughs> mostly I've just had a lot of stuff on in the background while I'm doing other things. Um, I did check out the first few episodes of She-Ra this week. Oh, the new one? Yep. Or the original out- no, the the new yeah, one. Yeah, okay, yeah. right on. It's out on Netflix. Uh, I thought it was super cute. Um, so I think, cute. Yeah, so cute. So I've seen some stills from it. I was like, man, that looks a lot more childish than the original. Well, it, more teenage. Yeah, but, but the 80s stuff all looked more serious than it really was. You know what I mean? Like That is the, true. That, the writing and acting of the 80s the Care Bears was atrocious, right? Yeah, um, but the art was, the, you know what I mean? Yeah. This this is really well crafted because um, it's got a it's got a nice intersection between being accessible to a young audience and being entertaining for adults as well, um, and it, it plays it pretty close to the chest as far as being like pretty on point to what's going on. There's not a lot of like outside references or anything, um, but it is neat. Um, but it's well done. It's funny. It's punchy. The chemistry between the three main characters is great. Um, the voice actor behind Bo, if you've watched Blackish, is Junior from Blackish. And I cannot get his stupid face out of my head every time the character Bo speaks. <laughs> um, because I, could, I just see him. I just see Junior the whole time. Um, but yeah, the chemistry between the main three is great. Uh, the first season is really, uh, Frank and I from Frank from toy power. And I were talking about this. Who? Frank Allen from toy power. Is Is that Trent's friend? Yeah. Yeah, Trent's friend. Oh, got it. Okay. Uh, we were talking about this and it's the entire first season is like, we're going to go around and find a princess in every episode and like, see where they came from and deal with their dilemma and add them to the team, which is fine. Um, they're really building up, but they're Frank was saying they're really hitting all the old characters. Who? But, ugh, Mrs. Allen's. Uh, oh, other. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Got it. 
Anyways, uh, I'm done talking about that. Uh, yeah. So, well, I mean, when you guys derail me two twice in a row and like that's 10 my minutes, fault. I just can't talk anymore. I just um, yeah. yeah. Shut the fuck up. Uh, get Shorty on Netflix TV series. Uh, I watched the whole thing today. It's pretty great. Oh my god! <laughs> Admitting that I watched an entire season of an hour long. How many episodes is that? It's like eight or ten. <laughs> Then they're fifteen minute episodes? No, they're hour long. <laughs> <laughs> um well I, I have been up since three AM, but that's not the point. Uh anyways, Get Shorty was pretty great. Chris O'Dowd really kills it as the main character. Uh he plays against type for you know, in a big way. Uh, and he nails it. Uh it's pretty fun. The the story is decent, the supporting characters are all great, it is really entertaining. And uh I have been wanting to dive back into Gundam for a while. I've been wanting to find the right Gundam series to kind of dip my toes into the water. I haven't watched it since uh, watching Wing back in the late 90s. And I watched the first season of Gundam Double Zero this past week. And it was pretty dope. Um, I was a little unimpressed initially, but by the end of the season it started hitting the emotional punches and I was like, damn, this is actually pretty great. So I checked that out. That's that's what I've been up to. So now I just want to go look at wings from the late 80s now and watch that with Thomas Hayden Church, the airport. Yeah, that's not yeah. what I was talking about, yeah. but, but go on. <laughs> what do you I'm got? down with that. <laughs> um, I finished Castlevania. Oh, I haven't finished it yet. I need more Castlevania. Uh, I'm excited. To, it's so good. Uh, it's so goddamn sure. good. Yeah. God damn. I, I mean, I okay. had to watch okay. it pantsless. Okay. It was so okay. good. To chime in on that. They need to stop fucking around with these really short seasons. They really need to like. I kind of like it. I kind of like it because I don't have that much time in my day uh, to to watch things. That's you know that's why I have all these movies in the basement that I haven't seen. So I I kind of dig these short seasons, and fuck, they can take as much time as they want to create them. You know, if they if if Netflix gives them the contract that the cartoon network has given the venture brother guys to just, Hey, you do good work, take your time, do whatever you want. I'd be happy, you know, 30 minute, 20, well, technically what? 23, 28 minute episodes. But anyway, good. Can't wait. Um, and I can't wait to see them take on Zelda once that finally goes through. Yeah. I would say real quick. I would say my take on, on that was, uh, they still suffer a little bit from that Netflix drag of in the middle of a few of the middle episodes. It's just a, let's talk about more character stuff. I'm like, no, I, most of it's done well, but every once in a while I was like, yeah, okay, we get it. Alucard and, and Belmont. They're There's happy. so much goddamn lore and so yeah. much goddamn history, especially with the Belmont clan. Yeah. Um, I love the digging through the, the thing they dig through. Yeah. I won't ruin it for anybody. Well, I'm going to spoiler alerts. Um, I'm curious on where they're going to go with the next season because let's just say, in my opinion, some things got tied up. So I could see us jumping to a different time period for season oh, three. That would be good. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe like did. you jump around through the family. Cor- correct. You get to see, you know, different characters inside the Belmont clan and, and they already alluded to um, possibly 
the father of the, the Belmont clan. And, and so that kind of led me down this hole of, well, yeah, if we, if we get to see, you know, how, how, how Papa Belmont got his start against the dark Lord, um, it could be interesting, but we'll see. We'll see what actually happens of it. Um, I also finally cracked open my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle box set. Um, I bought this about four years ago, knowing that at some point I would have a son, and then that son would be obsessed with Ninja Turtles, the original series from 1987. So you're trying to raise Chris Wisdom? Well, no. My, my kid has perfect mental capabilities and he's advancing in spelling and permanent objects or anyway um so so i finally cracked open this box set to show him uh you know the show that daddy uh used to watch and uh he hated it (laughs) 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 i mean i'll I'll, I'll say that he is too and he doesn't you know, there was no, um, there was no Cookie Monsters or or, or Daniel Tigers to go around. But oh, fuck Daniel Tigers. Um, I will personally say, after watching a whole disc of this, um, it held up pretty great, better than I was actually expecting it to. Um, I've I've gone back and watched a lot of retro shows that I grew up with, Super Mario, Super Show. And it, they just they don't hold up as much as I, I want them to. But the story and the characters and the voice acting work was so goddamn good in the, in the original Turtle show that it, it surprised the shit out of me. But so, here's a spoiler alert for you. Yes. He's probably going to hate everything you love. Every one of my kids, they're like, oh, watch this Spider-Man. No. Watch this Batman. No. Well, see, I, I mean, I have the the fact that I'm not a rock god of anything, so I'm not going to be constantly shoving my views down the throats <laughs> of uh, my parenting. children. That's what you're supposed to do. Great. She's reaching for the internal what to say. Oh, d- please don't make that motion again. <laughs> um, especially when you're talking about your children or anybody's children. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll hit that, that uh, turtles maybe around age four or five and see how that goes. But um, on a personal note, I started Disenchantment finally. Um, I know you're really looking forward to it, but you're wary from the previews. So what do you think now? Oh man, I'm. I've watched six episodes. I have laughed out loud a couple times. Um, I think it's still trying to find its legs, and I'm going to continue watching the rest of the season. Um, but wow, I, what a I, glaring well, recommendation! I, 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 I mean, it's, I'm, I'm not recommending it. Yeah, he thought it was gonna be hot shit, so that's uh, it's not a hot shit. No, it's it's yeah. not. But I, I, I still feel like they're trying to find their way and find their own voice. And you know, when you're coming out of the creation of of groaning, it's 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 hard to start a new property without you know falling into old tropes from other shows. They they've done that. The, you know, you have a lot of the same voice actors as uh, as Futurama, 
where they don't even, you know, change their voice at all. And you have a lot. Huge mistake. You should totally make a clean break as far as voice acting from everything you've done before. Uh, Agreed. Agreed. But I mean, with that, I mean, the animation is a little Futurama. You know, if you look at John DiMaggio's character, John DiMaggio plays Bender on on Futurama. His character is the king in Disenchantment. And if you look closely enough, he wears a crown with an antenna at the top of it. <laughs> almost like an homage to Bender. So <clears throat> um, I'm going to finish the season. I, I'm, I'm going to give it more time because I, I do see some potential in this. And they just got to get their footing right and, and see. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give them another season to see what they turn out to be. Because I do see greatness here. They just need to, to realize it. Nice. I went and downloaded Warframe to my PS4. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, that's what I ended up playing when uh, you canceled for your finger on Sunday as I, I jumped on PS4. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is I'm playing it and Oakland comes through and he's like, hey, I think I tried that on, on Xbox or somewhere. So now he's built uh, his own thing. And and funny enough, so I've tried to get him into games I've wanted to play with him and this it's, it's tough. And this one he's got into, and he and I have actually picked almost the exact same path. We've picked the same. And I went with the beginner Warframe. It says it's great for beginners. You know, try this. So I was like, you know what? I will take that advice because I've never played this game before. Sure. But uh, you guys, if if you know me well enough, you know, you have the choice. Take the Silent Ninja path or the path of ultimate destruction. No, well, when you're being puppeted by you, you don't really have a choice. So, so what, what path do I take? Did I take destruction? No. See, you would think that. But wow. I really was like, you know what? This seems like a step. Is they talk about ninjas in space? It's just that I'm gonna take the kunai for I love the kunai. And then I thought, like, I'm gonna take this bow. And I love the bow. And it I'm really stealthing around and having a blast with it. I got to some level where a fucking rando. God, I hate playing with randos so much. I hate playing with randos. And I got in some early mission. It's like, you're voting for What do you mean I'm voting for this? No, I want to play this. Fuck, what do you mean I'm voting? Oh, you got kicked out. Oh, you're with this rando. Now you get kicked out again. It's like, Paul, what is up with that? Do I have to play with fucking randos on some mission? No, you can change your uh, matchmaking setting to be solo. Okay, I'll I'll go look at that then because I was like I just want to go through and kill things. There there will be a point where you'll start wanting to do content you don't really have the levels or equipment for. Uh, then you'll want to join other people, but early on, you doing it by yourself is probably best early on. Well, it, you, is yeah. it is slick. Uh, one one of the neat things about Warframe is if you are in solo mode, uh, unless they change this when they change the way you could hot swap some of the uh, matchmaking. Um, it used to be that if you were in solo mode, you could hit escape and bring up the menu on, on PC, at least right, right, right. basically bring up the menu to pause the, uh, mission, but only in solo mode. Right. Cause if you're with somebody else, like all right. other games that are live yeah, stuff would be running the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that can be a neat feature to like, if you're going long in a mission or something, or you need to look something up, uh, that can help you out. But it's, 
uh, as I've said before, Warframe is very much a game where you decide what you want to do. Like you set your goals. You'd be like, hey, I want to make this Warframe. I want to make these weapons. This is what I want to do. And yeah, and yeah. you set your goals and you go after them. And there's so much stuff, you know, there's at this point, six years worth of uh, content releases. Wow. And they're dropping a new thing this weekend. Uh, it, well, it came out this past week on PC, but it'll be out. Um, it's coming soon to the PlayStation. The yeah, it'll be out on console uh, probably this yeah. week. I don't know about longevity for me because of what you're saying about uh, you craft this, you find that you get the parts. Because I lose interest in games like that because I, I play, I dabble in so many games over mm-hmm. time that I, I'll i get back into it. And if I, all I have to do is relearn the controls, that's a thing that I'm used to doing. It's like, okay, I've played. Spider-Man for a while. Then I went and played Borderlands for a while. Then I'm on uh, uh, Bulletstorm is a new is a free game on on PlayStation, I'll, and that's pre Borderlands Gearbox, and it's so good. It's so fun. I mean, it's dumb fun, but it's so so. It's like okay, I'll play it, and then and I only play an hour a week at most. I mean, I'll get more now I that remember I remember when Bulletstorm was going to be the next coming of uh, the best. Uh, fps game on the market and it didn't happen no it's fun it reminds me of a hybrid between borderlands and and uh, gears of war somewhat but uh it, so the point my point is is I, i'll play an hour or two a week at most and but i'm spreading it over all these games so if i have to come back to a game and relearn a control i can do that if i have to come back to a game and remember what was i doing oh, i'm collecting 100 pieces of this and 500 i don't even remember what i'm doing anymore you know, and I, I don't know. I may grow to love that part. I thought I was going to hate Borderlands the first time I saw articles on it. Like, That's the stupidest animation I've ever seen. Fucking hate <laughs> cell shading. Fuck this game. And then my buddy fell in love with it. He's like, he fell in love with it so much. He had driven, I don't know, eight hours. He was, he's, he, it's, uh, our morning mom. He travels with the Tortuga twins and uh, doing performances, live performances. And he traveled eight hours before he got to my house. And he was staying at my house for a couple weeks or for a week. And, and then, whatever and he got there we ate dinner he's telling me all about borderlands like yeah i don't know man it just looks dumb he's like, oh it's the best thing so he got in the car drove me the 40 minutes from where i live to the nearest game stop bought the game for me and we went back and played it and he was right it was amazing so i may end up thinking warframes you know my game of the year i don't know but i'm enjoying it is my can, point. can we go back to where you were in detail laying out all of Morden's travel plans from like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I, I really want to circle back around to the compelling content. Yeah. Of this it, was, it was to illustrate the point that he loved the game so much. He got back in the car after all that. Drama. You know, he took the, you know, I-95 to exit 14. <laughs> Are we doing a Californians uh, skit here? Uh, I, I could <laughs> the one oh well. So uh, oh, speaking of okay, sorry, uh, Charles, I'll let you go in a second, but I'm reminded uh, SNL was pretty great this past weekend with uh, Lee of Shriver. Um, they did the uh, the premise that they did before with uh, Ryan Gosling that got Ryan Gosling the crack a whole bunch in the middle of the skit with uh, uh let me tell you kate, yeah kate mckinnon with the alien abductions before this time it was with like a ghost visitation like a like you know spoopy stuff and oh my god uh it was the same thing like she's just going after Liv to get him to, to crack on on set and uh it was pretty great but sorry go ahead charles yeah i i want to watch i, I want to watch 
I watched uh, the first minute or two of the potties and I was busy, but I was like, I had to turn <laughs> was too real, it was, I am fucking, I have been in fucking Vegas, three feet from the stage at one of the nominee tables going, Oh my God. And then they started doing exactly what they did on the stage. I'm like, Oh, this is too real. This is not funny at all. This is not funny at all. Uh, funny to everybody, but the point. Go back to the Trump kids. These are less real. Come on. Um, but yeah, so Rick and Morty. I, I've been catching up on season three. I finally got. I'm a little dub dub. I finally got to pickle Rick. Uh, oh God. So yeah, I'm, I'm just. And it, I have a thing about Rick and Morty. So I started watching it. I know my wife's going to hate it. Period. So I just kind of keep it away from her. And. Uh, when I was on the hustle, I'd be working till two in the morning, three in the morning, and everybody being bad. I need to wind down before I go to sleep, and I'd put on Rick and Morty. So it's a very much a late night alone kind of thing for me. So it's very hard to catch up with it because I don't want to turn it on at work. I don't want to turn it on when the kids are around. It's not that I don't care that they watch it. It's like no, it's just kind of a. I've done two years of I watched it alone late at night. I just kind of want to do it here. So it's going to take me a minute, but I'm I love. I am loving it, man. I am loving every bit of it. I was giggling the other night at the intro where he's showing him pick out a different Morty at the store. Like, oh, yeah, so many universes of Mortys. Nobody cares. I'm at the Pickle Rick episode. Speaking of uh, Rick and Morty, uh, my roommate picked up the Rick and Morty deck building game made by Cryptozoic, which is basically the exact same system as uh, the DC deck builder game. And it's pretty solid. We played it the other day with some friends. So, yeah, that's out there. If you're uh, interested, it's it's good. Gets my thumbs up. Well, cool. I, you're you're at the one of these days when it's not Dragon Con and you're here, uh, which is never. But we're gonna work that out at a future date. You're gonna teach me, but I don't know crap about deck building. Oh shit! DC yeah. deck builder so good. I, I just I don't. Know. It's I got so good. I know this isn't even that, but the closest I have is uh, Marvel Munchkin. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, I got a funny story about the first time I played DC Deck Builder. Maybe for the patrons. That's for another date. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell it once this episode ends. So, uh, well, there, to get that story, go to patreon.com forward slash breaking the panel, where you get the video uncut and uploaded there. And we chat in the Discord. And there's other stuff going on, so check it out. Support the show. As Phil said earlier, you can email us BTP at giantsizeteamup.com. And it's Panel Breakers on Twitter. Is that Panel Breakers? You can follow us there. And uh, breaking the panel on giantsizeteamup.com is the website. Where can they find you, Phil? Well, you can find me over at uh, Twitter at Imaginary Nomad. Uh, I'm also on Facebook as Imaginary Nomad. And if you like the Instagrams, uh, it's uh, on Avery Island One. I uh, it's I I post pictures of either Nintendos or. Uh, my boy being funny. Paul, <laughs> oh, where can they find you? Jesus Christ. You can find me on Twitter at SoapboxGSTU. I uh, haven't tweeted in many moons, but... You I'm said like, you were going to get back into that, Paul. Oh, you know what? Fuck Twitter. And fuck people who care about Twitter. Twitter is retarded, okay? <gasps> I can't use that word anymore. Oh, you totally can. 
<laughs> no, it's not allowed. Oh my god. Well, see, I find it more offensive. <laughs> PC police uh, are coming. Oh no, I gotta run. You know what? You're gonna give me on my rant. So just keep don't rant, just wrap up the show. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna podcasting across all the social media. You can find me there until Chris Wisdom comes back and kicks Phil off the show. Know that. Know that. You'll never kick me off. And know that it has been clearly documented, Chris Wisdom. That Stanley's final words were Hulk is the goat. You surrogate neck. <laughs> oh boy, hold on. We need we need we need to oh, that that. <laughs> You are just close enough. It stays. No, 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 no. Know that, know that. No, 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 so, Breaking the Panel is the flagship podcast on the Giant Size Team-Up Network. You can support the show at patreon.com slash breaking the panel, and you'll find more of our amazing podcasts at giantsizeteamup.com. <laughs>